Now, thank you very much uh, and greetings to everyone. In keeping uh, to our uh, tradition and, 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 and practice, I now bow to my right and I bow to my, my left. Um, and having done so, I now take this opportunity uh, to request delegates to observe a moment of silence for prayer and meditation. Thank you very much. Honorable delegates, before we proceed, I would like to remind you of the following, that the virtual sitting constitutes a sitting of the National Council of Provinces, that the place of the sitting is deemed to be Cape Town, where the seat of the National Council of Provinces is, that uh, delegates in the virtual sitting enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in a sitting of the National Council of Provinces. That the purpose of the quorum, uh, all delegates who, who are logged onto the virtual platform, platform shall be considered present. That the delegates must always switch on the, their videos, that delegates should ensure that the microphones on their gadgets are muted and must always remain muted. That the interpretation facility is active, that delegates, members of the executive, special delegates and the Salga representatives are requested to ensure that the interpretation facility on their gadgets are properly activated to facilitate access to the interpretation services that any delegate who wishes to speak must use the raise your, your hand function and or icon. Honorable delegates, I've been, I've, I've been informed that there'll be no notices of motions or motions without, without notice. Before we proceed on the honorable delegates, I wish to welcome the Minister of Justice, and correctional services, the emissaries, all special delegates, and Salga representatives to this sitting. We shall now proceed to the subject for debate as printed on the other paper, debate on Human Rights Day, the right to equality, reducing poverty and inequality. I now call on uh, uh, call upon the honourable uh, uh, minister uh, Ronald Lamula, uh, Minister of Justice and Correctional Services, to open the debate. Honourable Minister, thank you, honourable um, House Chairperson, honourable members, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen. South Africa commemorates uh, the Human Rights Month in March annually. 
an acknowledgement that government has made strides to deepen freedom, democracy, and human rights in our country. It was former President Nelson Mandela, the world's most recognizable human rights symbol, who committed South Africa to the fight for attaining and preserving human rights when he said the following, and I quote, thus shall we live because we will have created a society which recognize that all people are born equal with, e with each entitled in equal measure to life, liberty, prosperity, human rights, and good governance, close quote. The ANC-led government inspired by great leaders such as Mandela, Tambo, Sisulu, Ngoi, and others, has lived to entrench a human rights culture in South Africa. Equally, South Africans themselves have demonstrated a firm commitment towards protecting the gains of our hard-earned democracy. Honorable members, as you will recall, the apartheid regime deprived black South Africans their citizenship and abolished their human rights. Apartheid left us with many scars which we continue to heal today. On March 21, 1960, the apartheid regime unleashed the most violent and brutal attack on masses of people in Sharpville. Their wounding and killing was as a result of them protesting in an absolute non-violent manner and calling for an end of the unjust past laws and other draconian legislations that the apartheid regime imposed on Africans. As they were chanting freedom songs, such as Izuelitu, Awapele Amapas, apartheid police officers opened fire unprovoked and armed protesters killing 69 people and critically wounding scores of others. The 69 heroes and heroes did not die in vain. The chapter of our freedom is not complete without mentioning them and their contribution. We honor them for laying their lives for freedom and democracy to reign in South Africa. In addressing this painful legacy of apartheid, government has passed legislations which enhances human rights for all South Africans, irrespective of race, belief, creed, sexual orientation, and gender. The Bill of Rights in our exemplary constitution enshrines the rights of all people in South Africa and affirms the democratic values of human dignity, equality, and freedom. The Bill of Rights applies to all law and binds the legislature, the executive, the judiciary, and all organs of state. Government has also established institutions such as the Human Rights Commission to adequately tackle all manifestations of human rights violations. So, honorable members, our commitment to human rights is unwavering. As we continue to commemorate the 25 years of our constitution, it is fitting that this constitution was signed into law by former President Mandela in Sharpville. As we go down memory lane, reflecting how far we've come as a democratic country and deliberating on how we can take our country forward, we commit to comprehensively address challenges facing our people, such as poverty, inequality, and unemployment. We also commit to deepen human rights in this great nation. Some of the fundamental rights in the country are equality before the law and access to justice. The Department of Justice and Constitutional Development has observed that high costs of litigation have potential to deprive the poor access to justice. This is if we are allowed to manifest will be in, in, an impediment towards the realization of human rights. In this regard, we have through the Legal Aid South Africa sought to intervene to ensure that the yes. poor working class South Africans have access to justice. Minister, just, just, just hold on, Minister, a minute. I see the hand of Honorable Mahai is up. 
Honorable Chair, I want to profusely apologize for this. I wanted to remind the minister that we were requested that we be on a video. If you can, I think he forgot to switch on his video. It was just about that matter when I raised my hand earlier. I okay. want to apologize once more to disturb the minister. Thanks. No, no, thank, you. thank you very much. Uh, please, uh, Minister, proceed. Yeah, my apology, uh, Chairperson. I suspect the video is on. It's just that um, when I go to the Microsoft Word Office document, I, I suspect it closes the video, but the video, it's on. Maybe that is the, that could be the challenge. Thanks. Yes, my apologies to all uh, members if um, I'm still not visible. I thought I'm visible even though I might have switched to the office. Uh, we, we, can, we can't see you now, Minister, but please proceed. Uh, okay, no, thank you. In this regard, we have through Legal Aid South Africa sought to intervene to ensure that the poor and the working class South Africans have access to justice. Legal Aid South Africa has throughout the years provided professional legal advice and representation to those who cannot afford legal fees, including the poor and the vulnerable. In the current financial year, we've allocated a budget of 2 billion rands to Legal Aid South Africa to ensure that it reaches as many people as possible. We also ensured that the legal representation in, in, in pursuit of land justice materializes. This will help to fight the illegal evictions of by landowners and farmers. Legal Aid South Africa will now provide services against evictions in the farms to protect farm dwellers and also labor tenants. Honorable members, we continue to appeal to the rest of the world not to perpetuate selective morality. Race should never be a factor when condemning violation of human rights and, and international law. House Chairperson, it can be correct that certain superpowers turn a blind eye to atrocities in Africa and the Middle East, but unite in calling out for justice for victims of the same atrocities in Western countries. This disparity must immediately be brought to an end. All citizens of the world have equal rights. We call for continued dialogue between those in conflict, and we are hopeful that through negotiations and mediation, an agreement could be reached. His Excellency, the President of the Republic, Cyril Ramaphosa, was forthright when he said, we must rebuild a society that is far better than the one that we came before. We must become a society that is free from poverty, hunger, and deprivation. We must become a society where women and children are free from violence and where their rights are protected. Close quotes. This is a clear line of mind that should be should preoccupy all South Africans. We should all say it is not yet Uhuru. When we see our people walking long distances to fetch water, children walking long distances to attend school, our people excluded from the mainstream of the economy, our people being landless, people facing hunger and starvation, women sexually violated, abused, and killed. Working together, we can address all these challenges. As government, we have exhibited commitment to fight and defeat the scourge of gender-based violence and femicide, which continue to bring great shame to us. And for that, we want to thank this House for the speedy processing of the progressive legislation to strengthen the fight against gender-based violence and femicide, which the legislations are the Criminal Law Sexual Offenses Related Amendment Bill Act, the Criminal and Related 
Matters Amendment Act and the Domestic Violence Amendment Act. All South Africans must collectively say enough is enough. Violence against women cannot be tolerated. It is a gross violation of human rights enshrined in the Constitution. We must draw a parallel between the fight against apartheid and the fight to end the scourge of gender-based violence. The Constitution protects all South Africans, especially the vulnerable. Our Constitution is a living document which entrenches and advances human rights. South Africans from all walks of life must, through concrete actions, protect it. As we commemorate Human Rights Month, we unequivocally call for an end to abuse of the rights of the LGBTQI community. Our Constitution prohibits unfair discriminations on the base on the grounds of sexual orientation. Through our Supreme Law, the Constitution will commit ourselves to uphold human rights for all South Africans. This is in line with the current call by forebearers, Oliver Tambo, on the 1st of June 1968, in a statement to commemorate Human Rights Year, he said, and I quote, Our fight is for justice. We cannot cease until we have won, as we will be in time and in achieving human rights for all in Southern Africa. We will be making a contribution to the fight for human rights and freedom the world over. Close quote. Tambo understood then that the fight that is won for human rights in South Africa is fight won for human rights in Africa and the world over. And in that way, we will contribute to humanity, the best gift of human rights to the people of the world. The statement by Tambo illustrates that the ANC was always on the side of the people and fighting for their rights. However, today we have, we have yesteryear oppressors and those who were sympathetic to the apartheid regime arrogantly acting as Democrats and safeguards of human rights. They disguise their action as democratic, but upon closer scrutiny, South Africans have unmasked these neoliberals for who they are. People help bent on reversing the gains of our democracy and wanting the status quo to continue. These are the organizations who within their ranks, there is no space for black leaders to play any meaningful role. They exclude black communities in areas where they govern and prioritize affluent areas for development. South Africans have long realized that these organizations are opposed to constitutionalism, nor are they want a non-racial society. We stand for services to all the people of our country, irrespective of the color of their skin, racial orientation, or creed. Services must go to all South Africans, and everyone must serve all South Africans, irrespective of their color. House chairperson and honorable members, irrespective of behavior of organizations we've mentioned above, our constitution is a tool that should unite all South Africans and herald us to an inclusive society. It must enable us for fundamental freedoms and guarantees our rights as citizens. But we need to remember that as we exercise our various rights, great responsibilities lay upon our shoulders. We must respond directly to the World Bank reports that they still put us as one of the most unequal society in the world. The social compact announced by the president is the best way to take out of the difficult quagmire of lack of economic growth and lack of job creation in the country. Collectively, as a social pact and social compact will enable us to achieve the goals of economic growth that will enable us to build an equal society where everyone has access to employment 
and access to economic opportunities that will help us to achieve economic growth. If we work, all of us together, we can build our nation in diversity. South Africans can only be inspired by ethical leaders who will root out corruption, malfeasance, and maladministration. Corruption, if not tackled, can derail the gains we have made. Let us collectively reject self-preservation and acknowledge that human rights are our lifeblood. Any institution or person seeking to undermine our hard-earned rights should not only be rejected, but must face the consequences of attempting to undermine that which unites South Africans from all walks of life. We have got no option but to work together as a nation to build a country of prosperity for all, with equal rights for all citizens of South Africa. I thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. No, thank you, thank you very much, uh, uh, Minister. We'll proceed to Honorable F. Ngomonyi. Honorable Ngomonyi. Honorable Chairperson of the NCOP, Mr. Amos Masondo. Honorable Deputy Chairperson, Mam Sylvia Lucas. The Honorable Chief Whip of the NCOP, Mr. Mohai. Honorable uh, uh, is present here, the Minister of Justice and Correctional Services, Honorable Lamola, permanent and special delegates of the NCOP, distinguished guests, members of the media, ladies and gentlemen, a very good morning to you all. Honorable Chairperson, we are gathered here today, barely a day after the nation celebrated Human Rights Day. We are gathered here to debate under the theme the right to equality, reducing poverty and inequality. The province of the Eastern Cape celebrated Human Rights Day at Nselamanzi Etikeni yesterday in Raymond Mshlaba local municipality. The day was dedicated to one of the earliest modern African intellectuals of the 19th and the 20th centuries, Reverend John Knox Bokwe who played a central role in the establishment of the University of Fort Hare that came into being in 1916. Reverend John Knox Bokwe was also instrumental in the establishment of schools and churches in the province, in the areas of uh, Digeni as well as Jogi in the uh, Jogabi district. He championed the importance of education as a human right. We are also gathered here today, Honorable Chairperson, to remind South Africans about the sacrifices that accompanied the struggle for the attainment of democracy in South Africa. Franz Fanon once said, and I quote, a generation must, out of relative obscurity, discover its mission, fulfill it, or betray it. Close quote. The generation of Mandela, Oar Tambo, Kwame Nkrumah, Julius Nyerere, and many others identified its mission as the liberation of the continent from the colonial rule, and I dare say they fulfilled their mission. This generation of ours has a mission to accomplish, and for me, that mission is to eradicate poverty and inequality in our lifetime. Honorable Chairperson, the United Nations uh, right, Human Rights Commissioner re- recently published that, and I quote, no social phenomenon is as comprehensive in its assault on human rights as poverty, close quote. 
This is because poverty erodes economic and social rights, such as the right to health, adequate housing, food and safe water, and the right to education. According to UNICEF, almost 22,000 children die each day due to poverty. Nearly half of the world's population live on less than 40 rand a day. More than 1 billion people in the world live in abject poverty on less than 25 25 rand per day, while the richest 1% people have almost half of the world's health. This underscores that there is a huge gap and inequality in the distribution of the world's economy. This Thus, poverty is one of the most serious challenges the world is facing today. And poverty in turn is, is a serious threat to political stability, social harmony, peace and justice. Sadly, Honorable Chairperson, the World Bank recently published that South Africa is the most unequal country in the world, ranking first among 164 countries with race playing a determining factor in a society where 10% of the population owns more than 80% of the wealth. As a leadership, we have a responsibility to change this narrative. The Center for Economic and Social Rights argued in December 2008 that, and I quote, poverty is an assault on human dignity, but it, it can also reflect a violation of human rights when it is the direct consequence of government policy or is caused by failure of governments to act, close quote. I fully concur with that sentiment and support an argument that says a human rights approach to poverty calls for a paradigm shift in how we understand and address poverty. A human rights-based approach thus looks at poverty not as a question of fate, but rather as an issue of justice. This implores all of us to reject the view that poverty is inevitable, but rather look at why poverty persists in this country. This calls for a rigorous, a vigorous investigation and holding of public representatives, administrators, business and investors accountable for their actions or failures to act that produce perpetuate and exacerbate poverty in South Africa. As you know, honorable members, that we are guided by the National Development Plan, whose intent is to reduce poverty, inequality, and social exclusion by 2030. As the province of the Eastern Cape, we believe that recognition and eradication of poverty, inequality, and and social exclusion cannot be limited to policy and strategic documents. It must be reflected in legislative documents because laws are binding. We also acknowledge that post-1994, South Africa has invested significantly in the social wage package, and that includes social grants, free basic education, healthcare, food security, and basic services. There is still a greater need for collaboration in the basket of services that we offer to make a greater impact on poverty and inequality. As I conclude, Honorable Chairperson, in almost all the provinces, Eastern Cape included, poverty and inequality are two phenomena that are still prevalent. We cannot discount what government has done to fight for the attainment of the freedoms uh, of, of the people of this country. However, there is still much more that needs to be done. Let us all, even the opposition parties, as we do our work on a daily basis, be inspired by the preamble of the Freedom Charter, which says, and I quote, these freedoms we will fight for 
side by side throughout our lives until we have won our liberty. Close quote. Let us therefore defend and advance human rights. Enkos. Thank you very much. The next speaker is going to be Honorable D. Christian. Honorable Christian. Thank you, Chairperson. Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Minister, Honorable Members, and fellow South Africans, good day. Human rights violations across the world have escalated, and many leaders around the world, having the, world, having the words of Amnesty International, pushed hate, fought against rights, ignored crimes against humanity, and blithely let inequality and suffering spin out of control, close quote. As we encounter more and more human rights violations across the world, the necessary question is whether humanity has lost its value and essentially what the role of governments across the world is to alleviate these burdens. South Africa has a long history of human rights violations. Sadly, the country remains an example of undermining the freedom of others, despite having one of the most robust and celebrated Bill of Rights in the world. South Africa has recently also been named the most unequal country in the world, where the large majority of people in the country are still excluded from socioeconomic development based on race, gender, ethnic origin, and disability. Persistent poverty and growing inequalities across the country are stark reminders that the ANC government has failed to protect its citizens and have not created an environment conducive to sustainable and equitable social development. In the past decade, poverty has intensified and the failings of government have been brought to light. It is true that government has barked on numerous poverty reduction strategies in order to address poverty and inequality in the country. However, these strategies have been largely ineffective. After almost 30 years of ANC government, more than 50% of the population is still poor and inequality in the country is amongst the highest in the world. These failings have been because of corruption and the inability of government to implement strategy and policies. As a result of this government's inability to alleviate poverty, it has seen the country's entire fabric crumbling. To quote the words of Mary Robinson, open quote, I'm often asked what is the most serious form of human rights violations in the world? And my reply is consistently extreme poverty, close quote. Recent crime statistics show that contact and violent crimes are on the increase. This essentially means that we cannot feel safe in our own homes. Despite a freedom charter that aspires to keeping the citizens of our country safe, Becky Tseli and his department is failing the people of this country. In fact, Sunday's Scott Blanche highlighted police brutality and the inhumane treatment and torture of citizens. Management at police stations came under the spotlight with reports of ill discipline amongst police officials frequently reported but not dealt with. Gender-based violence remains one of the country's most distressing and rampant human rights violations in the country. It remains a profound human rights violation with major social and developmental impacts for survivors of violence, as well as their families, communities, and society. At the beginning of 2021, 128 million rand was pledged towards gender-based violence, yet South African experts told Human Rights Watch 
that despite promises, including in the National Strategic Plan, to address gender-based violence and femicide, the government has still failed to provide adequate funding for shelters and other services. Additionally, police and health departments still fail to prioritize victim-friendly facilities or prioritize medical forensic services, with victims often being treated inhumanely because of the lack of suitably qualified health professionals and lack of facilities. Honorable Chairperson, the right to healthcare in South Africa is a further human rights violation, further impacted by poverty and inequality. Across the country are reports of huge healthcare inadequacies, such as the lack of medication at clinics, hospitals and mobile clinics, as well as numerous reports of operations not done timelessly, or limited operating theater space, while others have died because of patient transport that cannot get them to towns for life-saving treatment. Reports are rampant of members of the public raising concerns regarding the shortage of equipment. According to a report, the long waiting times for medical intervention potentially exposes patients to the development of complications or even loss of life. Public hospitals, in the words of the report, have become a death trap for the poor. Honourable Chairperson, we cannot speak about poverty alleviation and the right to quality if we do not address the glaring right to access of quality education. At the beginning of 2022, it was reported that close to 400,000 learners were not placed in schools across the country, delaying their access and right to education. Additionally, schools across the country are affected by failing municipalities owing ESCOM millions of rands and in turn affecting teaching and learning. Water in real uitdagings loop oor die, jan, oor die land heen. Van Noordwes, Mpumalanga, tot in die Noordkap, sien ons gebarste waterpijpe. Verstopte riool infrastructuur en slaggate groter as die grootgat in Kimberley. Verder hou hier die probleme risikos in vir inwoners soos kalere, bakterie, swamme, parasite en virusse wat derm, long en ander infeksies kan veroorzaak. Om nie eens te praat van die talle ongelukke op die Noordkaapse paie weens die groot slagge gaten nie. Meeste municipaliteite het die inwoners van hier die land in die steek gelaat. Onbevoegde municipale rade en ambtenare, wijdverspreide corruptie en kaderomplooiing het bijgedra tot die spoedige verval en self- en eenstorting van dienstlevering en infrastructuur in die meeste dorpe en stede in Zuid-Afrika. Achbare voorzitter, die mense van hier die land is werkloos en getuister met armoede, landsburgers sikkel om toegang tot kwaliteit onderwijs, gezondheidszorg en basisse dienste soos water en sanitatie te kry. Ons het, on, ons het die ontstellende toenaming van xenofobiese aanvallen gesien. En die regering het daarop aangedring om COVID-19 beperkings te handhaaf, ondanks die negatieve uitwerking wat het op ons land gehad het. Mensenhandel is aan die toeneem in die land. Die president versuim om Ruslandse inval van die Oekraïne en die van haar soevereiniteit en haar mense rechte te veroordeel. As I conclude, Chairperson, we need to protect the human rights and dignity of South Africans at all costs and put the people of this country first. The country is in a rapid economic and social decline. 
We need a drastic change in government and the local government elections in 2021 was the indicator that change is on the horizon. The people of South Africa will affect that change come 2024 when the ANC government is voted out once and for all. I thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, the next speaker is Honorable Masangu. Honorable Masangu. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson and Deputy Chairperson of the NCOP, Honorable Minister, the Chief Whip of the NCOP, MECs, Special Delegates, uh, members, Honorable Members from Salga, uh, the Honorable Members of the House, fellow South Africans, Lochan. We undertake this debate when the world is faced with a major risk of global instability. The effects of the conflict of Ukraine and Russia is bound to have far-reaching economic implications for developing countries which will be impact impacted by the rise in fuel prices and other basic foods as the global supply system gets constrained. The conflict also brings forth human rights issues, Honorable Chair. And we commend the President of the Republic, His Excellency Honorable Cyril Ramaphosa, for calling for peace and diplomatic uh, res resolution of the conflict. The guns should be silenced so that global de development continues, particularly closing the inequality gap between developed and least developed nations. Without peace and harmony, between developed and least developed nations. Without uh, peace and harmony, I beg your pardon, a better life for the least developed nations will become a dream uh, defeat. The full realization of our human rights in a global capitalist system requires the state to enable all South Africans, particularly the, the poor and marginalized, the capacity to enjoy their social economic rights. The economic aspect of social economic rights is an area which our democratic dispensation has not achieved, but has made significant strides to enable its realization. Honorable Chairperson, the Universal Rights Declaration of 1948 had an impact on the liberation struggle in South Africa. The Freedom Charter, which was a product of a proposal by the ZK Matthews. The Matthews was inspired by the UN Declaration of Human Rights. This background is critical in locating human rights in our historical evolution, which also protects, protects, predates the Freedom Charter, such as the African claims of 1943, which focused on the Bill of Rights. The Freedom Charter states that our country will never be prosperous or free until all our people live in brotherhood, enjoying equal rights and opportunities. Honorable Chairperson and members, this call by the Freedom Charter encapsulates the basis for the realization of prosperity and freedom is based on the enjoyment of equal rights and equal opportunities. This recognizes that in order to enjoy economic rights, the marginalized 
majority should have equal opportunities. In the context of the majority of the inequality um, entrenched by colonialism, this is practical items, uh, practical terms means that our democratic government should be able to create enabling conditions and empower the marginalized to have equal opportunities to those who are privileged, who are in the main, the white minority. Honorable Chair, since the democratic government, the African National Congress has placed the education in the center of developed and, and redress. This is so because education is a critical element for skills development and the broader human capacity development of the nation. Skills development is also a critical aspect for workers in order to improve their capabilities and to enable them to get more opportunities. The fact that we are in a period of rapid digital transformation and the fourth industrial revolution and, change, and changes in the world of work. We need to protect our workers in areas which are not critical as the skills needs of the economy changes. Honorable members and honorable chair, our government and the, and the private sector have a responsibility to ensure that we train our workers skills of the changing world. It is therefore imperative that even in our education system, we need to develop graduates with relevant skills for the economy. We must aggressively focus on skills development to address the skills gap and skills mismatch, which contributes to unemployment, especially to role, to especially the role of technical and vocational education and training colleges and apprenticeships. Honorable Chairperson, one of the major areas which require strengthening is the integration of learning and practical experience, as this enables students to seamlessly integrate to working opportunities as they would already be exposed to the workplace. Honorable members, in order to transform our economy, we need to incorporate entrepreneurship into our education curriculum at a, as a, at a basic uh, education level and higher education. This is important for economic growth and to develop skills amongst the youth to be an, integrated into the economy as employers and not only as workers or employees. Honorable Chairperson and members, economic development and transformation, transforming the ownership patterns of our economy means that more black people should be supported to venture into an entrepreneurship. Various economic research and statistics have demonstrated that despite medium-sized and large firms having the capacity to create jobs, small businesses have been the key drivers of job creation in the recent years. This indicates that we need to continue to support SMMEs as government, but it is also important that the private sector should also focus on supporting SMMEs. Honorable Chair, 
developing financing institutions are important if we are to stimulate the economy. We commend the work of government in ensuring that businesses are paid within 30 days of invoicing. And that set aside exit exists for small businesses. Our government development financing institutions, such as the National Development Agency, NYDA, Small Enterprise Development Agency, are critical players in supporting small businesses. Honorable Chair, government has developed centers for entrepreneurships and rapid incubators in institutions of higher learning to foster a culture of entrepreneurship among young people, students, and con convert job seekers to job creators. CEDA has also developed the basic entrepreneurship skills development programs, which is funded by the National Skills Fund. The program uses coaching to facilitate and reinforce learning and uh, development supporting to emerging entrepreneurs. Honorable Chair, more than 2,000 emerging entrepreneurs have to date been supporting, supported through the program. Through the Youth College Fund, government aims to support 10,000 young innovations, innovators over the next year, and we should be proud of this. These are notable interventions, Honorable Chairperson, which also requires the private sector to play their role in expanding these type of interventions to create more opportunities. Private sector financing institutions and in investors should develop models and programs which focus on investing and supporting small businesses and innovations to grow, enterprise, to grow enterprises and to diversify ownership of the economy. The market concentration of monopolies should be shunned and addressed continuously by the Competition Commission. Honorable Chairperson, Human capacity development is a critical aspect to develop and grow any economy. Without the skills and capabilities, economic development, development becomes constraints. One of the major dangers of the structures of our economy has been to decline in a, has declined in a, in a, in a in the manufacturing sector to an increase of the service sector and the final and the fin with financial service growing uh, in the main. In conclusion, yes, General Honorable just to say that uh, because of the speaker's list, I was not aware that your minutes have actually been increased from 10 to 15. Can I continue, Chair? Please. Thank you. Thank you. As industries adapt to technological changes, um, the skills and capabilities develops and it enhances the overall human capabilities of the country. The private sector has an important role to play in creating work opportunities. All workplaces in South Africa should be training and developmental spaces. Private sector development institutions also have 
a responsibility to ensure financing conditions take take into consideration of many South Africans who are largely asset poor. Our country has been of the most unequal in the world demonstrates uh, the structural challenges which impacts income distribution and asset distribution. This inequality affects women beyond race. The practical the patriarchal nature of our society requires government interventions to prioritize empowerment of women. Honorable members, the democratic uh, government has made significant progress in ensuring that we break the cycle of poverty. Today, a child of a domestic worker can become a doctor, engineer, a lawyer, and uh, actuarial scientist and other professions which were primarily preserved for the white community. A village which never have had running water and electricity today has electricity. Education is free for the poor until, high, until higher education. This commitment and realization by the democratic, democratic uh, government demonstrates the pri primacy of human capacity development. These are the democratic gains of South Africans under the leadership of the African National Congress. Honorable Chairperson, we need to ensure that our workplaces do not discriminate against women, people with disabilities, and LGBTQI plus, IQ plus community. Economy emanci economic emancipation will always be constrained for the discriminated. Women in workplaces continue to be exposed to sexual harassment and are stereotype treatment which ha hampers on the upward of mobility of women in strategic sectors of the economy. The law ownership of the economy by women and the dominance of male in the management of Johannesburg Stock Exchange listed companies is a reflection of the system exclusion of women in strategic areas of the economy. Honorable Chairperson and members, the recent World Bank report on inequality in South Africa reflects the need for a deeper and rigorous uh, progress of transforming the structure of the economy to, um, to unleash its potential and to create an inclusive society as inequality contributes to low economic growth and low economic development. The ANC in its 54th national conference resolved on ra radical socioeconomic transformation due to the recognition of the slow transformation and that the vision of the Freedom Charter to ensure the freedom of all South Africans and prosperity is realized. Without guaranteeing the social economic rights of all South Africans, our social stability will continue to deteriorate. As I conclude, Honorable Chairperson, as public representatives in this house, we all have a, a collective responsibility to rally all South Africans and social partners from business, labor, and civil society 
to contribute in supporting initiatives which build the capabilities of South Africans. A social compact of a better South Africa has never been this, uh, this agent. Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members, Giatogosa, Uziman Chutubaze, thank you very much. Thank you, Chairperson of the Council. Chair, the right to equality stands as an important part of South African history. However, our appealing human rights norms are yet to be meaningfully translated into reality. In observing human rights, we are provided with an opportunity to acknowledge its failures. For while democracy has delivered some freedom of, for South Africans, it's not enough. And not enough has changed for the black majority of our country. Today, Chairperson, we are still faced with the remittance of apartheid regime that simply refuses to die, represented by the former liberation movement, which is now in government, the African National Congress. And it's in its formal form, Chairperson, the right to equality remains, but a distant dream for black people due to the triple social challenges of unemployment, persistent poverty, and widespread socioeconomic inequalities. Chairperson, according to a new report, which was released earlier this month by the World Bank, South Africa remains the most unequal country in the world, ranking first amongst 164 countries in the World Bank's global poverty database. Yes, Chairperson, it is the most unequal country and there's nothing to contest, Honorable Minister, that is the truth about South Africa. In fact, we stand far removed from ever realizing equality in the meaningful terms, so much so that any approach to obtain any form of equality should be based on redressing poverty, which has remained one of the biggest problems in South Africa. Poverty is worsened by high unemployment rate, Chairperson, which is the highest amongst youth who currently roam the streets unemployed in their numbers. Many more have abandoned the job search altogether and have lost hope in ever finding employment. They are faced with pervasive poverty and unemployment, whilst inequality continues to, to thrive. Inequality also manifests itself amongst our youth in a number of ways, the most common being through the glaring disparities of wealth between the rich and the poor. Chairperson, the right to equality is yet to be realized in any meaningful terms, and it remains questionable whether it is achievable in the backdrop of numerous challenges faced which include the high level of unrest, rampant crime, and a population which is faced more uh, by more social ills than it ever has in the history uh, of this country. 
Crime remains a black problem, and that's a fact. We witness daily murders in Inanda, Nyanga, Kailicha, and many other areas where black people reside. And this hardly receives any attention from all levels of government. This is because humanity of an African child is easy to dispense with. Poverty, homelessness, poor educational outcomes are all black problems, and they are directly associated with the high rates of crime. We also remain a nation which a dual economy, a tale of two nations, a tale of two schools, one private, uh, properly functional, where the wealthy send their kids to educate effectively so. Whereas our public school stands dysfunctional, poor, under-resourced, and incapable of equipping learners and necessary skills. For the ANC has failed to provide proper public schools with competent teachers, and the struggle around free education remains part of the burning issues in South Africa. Chair, a tale of two health services where private hospitals offer efficient quality health services whilst public hospital remains dysfunctional. And that's where black people are meant to receive the services from. Uh, without interventions to address this question, Africans will remain parallel in the land of their birth. Chairperson, this is our land, and we are not visitors in our land, but the ANC wants to turn us visitors in our own land. Our chances of achieving meaningful change, which will enable the realization of a just and equal society, remains a dream under the ruling party, which also commodifies public services, which only serves the rich for the poor are afforded their own level of equality, which differs to that of the wealthy living in affluent suburbs. Chairperson, we are here today faced with the reality of an increasingly repressive government of a failing economy of millions of black people without employment and millions more without their land and the ANC must be characterized for what it is, a violator of human rights in this country called South Africa on behalf of its white monopoly handlers. The dream of an equality society stands far-fetched as the ANC has since 1994 pursued a new liberal policies which have failed to transform the economy so much so that uh, two decades into democracy, the black majority remains on the outskirts of the economy. It is the ruling party chair which has led to the trans uh, normalization of poverty in this country. And there currently exists no difference between the ANC and the parties with, which have come before it representing white supremacies for the legacy of apartheid and jobs. Chairperson, we are yet to see equality being translated into reality. Black South Africans continue to hold fewer assets 
have fewer skills and lower wages and more likely to be uh, unemployed. In some companies, white workers continue to earn more than black, blacks do. Even in instances where they do the same work and are on the same level, even if when a white, a, a black person is more qualified than a white person, they are just remunerated because of their color for being white. Inequalities are passed down from generation to generation with little change over time. Blacks continue to live without land, whilst the elite, mainly the white monopoly, continues to, to strive. Endorsed by Cyril Ramaphosa and his clique within the ruling party. And once again, on the so-called human rights debate chairperson, there remains nothing to celebrate for the black majority. For the right to equality stands, but conceptually flawed promise, uh, promises. In Sharpville, Chairperson, you know very well, your generation remains poor, lives in houses which are constantly flooded with water, lives in houses with asbestosis roofing under your government. Are you not ashamed, Chairperson, of yourselves endorsing such inhumane living conditions. Black people live in squalors under your watch. We will remember you for what you are, Chairperson. Sellouts the day you are no longer in this world. Thank you. Yes. No, thank you very much, Mkosi. You know, just to say that the abuse of a platform, to say all sorts of things and so on, then it does not assist this house to run its own business. I'm just noting that as you conclude. We'll then move on to the next speaker, Madlope. Madlope, please proceed. Uh, Honorable Chaperson, uh, Honorable Deputy Chaperson, Honorable Minister of Justice and Correctional Services, Honorable Members, and all fellow South Africans in the visuals uh, platforms, we greet you this uh, afternoon. We are aware that some in this house and somewhere around the country still get uh, confounded why it is important for the government of the people by the people to commemorate the Sharpeville massacre. Since our democratic breakthrough in 1994, the ANC government has enacted new legislations and policies to ensure that the ideals of the Freedom Charter are realized. Day by day, we continue to mobilize South Africans behind their own development to ensure that indeed South Africa belongs to all who live in it, black and white. Having experienced the brutality of the uh, apartheid government, we hold the view and act daily in a manner consistent with the understanding that the central question of South African politics is how the, ma the masses of the people fought against the evil system side by side with the ANC, PAC, ASAPO, and many more other progressive forces. 
the Human Rights Month gives us an opportunity to remember and honor those who made it possible for us to achieve freedom and democracy. We speak of freedom today because of the courageous men and women who marched in Sharpville and Langa on the 21st of March, 1916, for the total abolition of the past laws. It was a day where 69 African patriots were brutally massacred, as the Honorable Minister has indicated, as well as more than 180 protesters who were injured in Sharpville. Treated as subhuman and a cheap source of labor, their human rights were violated and their lives were cut short for demanding uh, to be treated with dignity and respect. Their sin was to demand the abolition of the diabolic past system as well as the evil system of apartheid colonialism itself. Their bravery exposed the brutality of uh, apartheid for the whole world to see and uh, to see and united our people's unyielding resolve for freedom. People demanded that apartheid government change its oppressive and inhuman policies. That movement was also joined by the international communities. Some within uh, uh, some within our shores stood against those who continued to oppose freedom. Honorable Chairperson, it is a fact that we see people who enjoyed good life under apartheid, today speaking ill of the African National Congress and people who brought about freedom in this country. In some quarters of this country, some people have the audacity to insult the very same government that came as a result of democracy driven by the African National Congress. As a nation, we made many strides in respect of human rights and ensured it became a reality for everyone. However, the abuse of, of sexual assault, gruesome murders of women and children, uh, discrimination, abuse of farm workers and dwellers mean we have not reached our destiny. As we commemorate the Human Rights Month, under the theme, the year of unity and renewal, protecting and preserving a human rights gains. At no stage should we forget about the struggles that were waged in order for us to gain our freedom. It is the right for Africans too to own land. It is the right of women too to own land. We stand, we stand here today with no fear of contradiction to say a lot has been done by the African National Congress government to ensure dignity of the people, to ensure that human rights are observed, but we still have a long way to go. It is a right for all people of this country to fully participate in the economy by, uh, by radical economic transformation. We intend to ensure that the process of economic transformation is fast-tracked. We have to see Africans Blacks in particular, owning the means of production, participating fully in the sectors of the economy and increase in the number of black business that are registered in the, in the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. As we also celebrated the 25th anniversary of the enactment of the constitution, we need to see what, what good the South African constitution brought for all people. The constitution enshrines the rights of all people in South Africa 
and offends the democratic values of human dignity, equality, and freedom. We have to judge that by seeing many of our people not depending on the abusers for survival or, or em employment. It is our duty as a nation to strive for inclusive socioeconomic development while ensuring that we combat racism, racial discrimination, and all related intolerances. Without any fear of contradiction, Honorable Chair, the ANC government should continue to remind people where we come from. We know that power mongers continue to craft strategies ganging up against the liberation movement to illegitimize it uh, with some uh, trying to set this country backwards. Uh, the founding father of our nation, President Nelson Mandela, put it very clearly when he said, and I quote, to deny people their human rights is to challenge their, their very humanity. One example is before us all. What is happening in the city of Johannesburg today, violating the rights of, of, of people? The move to fire over 130 workers is a classic example of human rights violation. This thing must be stopped. That unprocedural act needs to be stopped. This true violation of human rights to say women who were given employment must now join a huge list of unemployment in this country is really unfair and uncalled for. Instead of the city to create jobs that uh, everyone uh, is doing, they open to fire the people. What do you call that? And the racial approach when they are advertising posts is concerning in our country. It is imperative that we continue to promote the vision, principles and values that inform us that whenever we are and whatever we do, we should ensure that our actions contribute to the attainment of a free and just society, the upliftment of all our people and the development of, a, of South Africa that belongs to all who live in it. This is the vision of the South Africa that is democratic, non-racial, non-sexist, and prosperous, a country in which all people enjoy a better life. We have done a lot of work in, in pursuit of the, of the vision and principles of our liberation movement that has at all times been based on the age-old values of Ubuntu, of selflessness, sacrifice, and service in a manner that ensures that uh, interest of the people take precedence over the, our individual interests. Honorable Chairperson, I truly believe that our government has been working in the true spirit of these important values. Today, we are a nation uh, that values of Ubuntu, having learned uh, from such giant of our strategies, Umau, Charlotte Makeke, Lillian Goyi, and many more other uh, 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 heroes and heroines of our country. They always reminded us all human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. As government from 1994, we embarked on policies and programs directed at pulling the people of South Africa out of the, the morals of poverty and ensuring that the 
we build a stable, developed, and prosperous country. Our journey continues to transform our economy. We remain undebted, uh, arguing that not enough progress has been done, made to induce the non-racial South Africa that con uh, constitution envisaged for. Our history dictated that we as a nation should rise and create a society that is truly united, non-racial, non-sexist, equal and prosperous. We must follow in the footsteps of our heroes and heroines who adopted a principled stance against the apartheid legislation that required that every indigenous African male above the age of 16 must carry the, the dumpers day and night and to produce it on a demand by the conclude, as I conclude, as I conclude, Honorable Chair, our long history of struggle tell us that there are countless other hundreds of thousands who fell before uh, many uh, more that followed uh, after uh, after Sharpeville. Let us all speak in one voice with regard to ending discrimination and equality in our society. The notion that our society contain with our autonomous mechanism, which will, which, which will and can activate themselves to produce conditions of equality cannot be sustained. The achievement of the objective of equality in a manner that uh, generates the, the least conflict required that to use a colloquial expression, those who are more equal than others in our society should themselves see the, the realization of this objective as being in their own interest as well as therefore themselves join the struggle to eliminate the apartheid legacy. Honorable Chairperson, I thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Chairperson, Honorable Chair, Honorable Minister, Honorable Members, and fellow South Africans, good day. Chairperson, firstly, let me say that uh, today we are mourning we have lost one of our key icons, a young man, Luzu Gokoti, um, who worked for the SABC, uh, who passed on yesterday. Younger Omoya Wakongalala I start off Chairperson with a quote by Helen Sussman. I stand for simple justice, equal opportunity, and human rights, the indispensable elements in a democratic society and well worth fighting for. The Democratic Alliance prides itself as a party that stands on the values that by all means respect and stand for human rights. The Bill of Rights is a cornerstone of democracy in South Africa. It enshrines the rights of all people in our country and affirms the democratic values of human dignity, equality, and freedom. The state must respect, protect, and fulfill the rights is as contained in the Bill of Rights. In today's context, it is paramount that when we address human rights, we look at the line between the marginalized society that is being torn apart by poverty under the stewardship of the current government that currently enriches those that are affiliated um, to the corrupt system of the African National Congress to, um, um, sorry, to, 
and your deployment, where the cadre uh, deployment, where the elite is drawn um, and kind of get all the benefits that are supposed to be benefiting those that are poverty-stricken and, and, and are hungry. The central message is that poverty is not necessarily a failure on the part of an individual, but rather caused by the actions or inactions of governments, which are often exacerbated by structural inequalities in our societies. This in turn requires a more rational approach grounded in respect for human rights. Um, poverty is a serious economic and social problem that affects a large portion of the world's population and manifests itself in diverse forms, such as lack of income and productive assets to ensure sustainable livelihoods, chronic hunger, malnutrition, homelessness, lack of durable goods, diseases, lack of access to clean water, lack of education, low life expectancy, social exclusions, discrimination, high levels of unemployment, high rate of infant and maternal mortality, and lack of participation in decision-making. The antithesis of all the above is what is required to fight poverty and hunger. As a country that is rich with history of inequality, we cannot afford to ignore the past, and yet we cannot stay in the past. History will not justify today's corrupt systems that are not unifying us based on our yesterday. Equal opportunity and skills redistribution is crucial in ensuring that we are all pulling together towards a fair and a diverse South Africa. Poverty erodes and or nullifies economy and social rights, such as the rights to health, adequate housing, food and safe water, and the right to education. The World Bank report found that South Africa remains the most unequal, unequal country in the whole world. High levels of inequality and low intergenerational mobility act, act as a break on poverty reduction. And as a result, poverty is high for an upper middle income countries. Poverty is consistently highest among black South Africans, the less educated, the unemployed and female headed households, large families and children. In South Africa, the richest 10% of the population own more than 85% of household wealth while over half the population have more liabilities than assets. We cannot overlook the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic when looking at the poverty it has caused. South Africa's children are at much greater risk of dying from hunger than they are from COVID, and that is more evident in most parts of the country. Nearly 7,500 7, children under the age of five die from hunger each year in our country, and more than 50% of the population lives in poverty. Despite notable gains in poverty reduction post-apartheid, poverty levels have remained consistently highest among women, Black South Africans, people with disabilities, and those living in rural areas. We need to build a country that is safe for all that live in it, irrespective of political affiliation, but by virtue of being human and in respect of our golden constitution. We need to put an end to racial opportunity segregation and strive on building each other as a country for all. We can only do that though, through democratic values, opportunity, freedom, fairness, and equality. By so doing, we will then have entrenched the, the, the feeling that everybody is right, is kind of secured under the constitution of the country. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Baka. We'll move on to Honorable N.C. Rakhwale. 
Um, thank you so much, Chairperson of the NCOP, Honorable Amos Masondo, the Deputy Chairperson of the NCOP, Ma'am Sylvia Lucas, Honorable Members, MECs present here, colleagues and fellow South Africans. Today's debate provides an opportunity for all of us to pause and take stock on our journey to deepen the human rights culture and advance especially socioeconomic right to reserve to reverse the devastating effects of poverty, inequality, and economic deprivation, which are the direct consequence of colonialism and apartheid, which constitute the primary focus of my contribution to this important debate. As the ANC-led government, we have made significant strides in ensuring that we indeed reverse the injustices of the past regime by ensuring that human rights of all South Africans are protected. We are continuing to work hard to ensure that the significance of socioeconomic rights as an important pillar of human rights to redress the global challenge of poverty is realized. Over the past 28 years, the country has made significant progress in tackling poverty and deprivation. The NC-led government has built houses, hospitals, and clinics. We have implemented universal basic education and free higher education. Most of our people have access to decent water, sanitation, and electricity in their homes. Society's most vulnerable are supported by an intensive social welfare system. As the MEC responsible for the social development, I can confirm that every month over 46% of the population receive a form of a grant. This is indeed an indication that we are a government which is determined to ensure that it services its people as demanded by the constitution. Honorable members, as we are all participating in this important debate, let us be inspired by the profound words of former President Nelson Mandela when he addressed the joint sitting of the parliament during the occasion to celebrate the 10 years of our constitutional democracy when he stated, as I quote, let us never be un unmindful of the terrible past from which we come, that memory not to keep us shackled to the past in negative manner but rather as a joyous reminder of how far we have come and how much we have achieved. The memory of a history of division and hate, injustice and suffering, inhumanity of person against person should inspire us to celebrate our own demonstration of the capacity of human beings to progress, to forward, to improve, to do better, close quote. This year, we are commemorating Human Rights Month under the theme, the year of unity and renewal, protecting, the, protecting and preserving our human rights gains. It is during this time when we are paying special attention and honoring, our, and honoring of those who made it possible for us to achieve the freedom and democracy we are all enjoying, irrespective of race and culture. They include brave men and women who marched in Sharpeville and Langa on the 21st of March 1960 for the total abolition of, this past, of the past laws. The previous regime used its power to show its arrogance and perpetuated the heinous act and committed the massacres. We celebrate these historic milestones in honor of the sacrifices made by our heroes and heroines of the liberation struggle. Through their bravery at that time, the international, the international community was able to, to pressurize the, the then apartheid regime to introduce reforms in our country. Hence, it is very important that when we celebrate the day like this one, we should appreciate and honor human rights as enshrined in the constitution of the Republic of South Africa. Delivering the Provincial Human Rights Day message yesterday, our Honorable Premier, Premier Chubustan Matarata, 
said the following as I quote, for the past 27 years of democracy and freedom as South Africans and the people of Limpopo, we are successfully ensuring that we work together to address the legacy of our divided past. We are working together to build a country that is invested in the National Development Plan close code. As we recall the founding principles of our freedom, we are reminded to always embrace a country which belongs to all who live in it, especially women and children. Honorable members, I must indicate that we will fully celebrate women's rights when the vulnerable groups of society, particularly women and children, are still abused and killed. These are the people who, in most instances, are abused by men who are supposed to care for and protect them. Some of them died with protection orders in their hands. I reiterate government's call for a well-coordinated societal effort towards a total fight against women and children abuse. The human rights commemoration will not have achieved its intended goals in our women if our women and children still live in fear. Their fear translates into violation of their rights and a society. We must stop the talk and act against the pandemic of gender-based violence and femicide. We are all reminded that women's rights are human rights. That must be protected at all times. Our constitution makes it clear that all people must equally enjoy their rights. Just yesterday when he was delivering the human rights uh, message, President Ramaphosa has said the following as a quote, our constitution calls for the advancement and protection of human rights for all. It does not matter whether they are men or women, adult or children, rich or poor, landed or, land, landed or landless, urban or dwellers, earners or unemployed, workers or employers, citizens or non-citizens. The constitution obliges the state to protect and uphold these rights and to ensure that everyone's basic needs are progressively met. I must also take this opportunity to appreciate one of the chapter nine institutions, which is the Human Rights Commission, which oversees the protection of the rights of the all citizens of the country and all who live within the Republic. Just on the third of this month, I met with the South African Human Rights Commission's Deputy Chairperson, Fatima Cohen, on behalf of Premier Stenima Tabata in Pulukwan. The commission came to our province to lobby stakeholders such as faith-based organizations, traditional authorities, cause as well as provincial government to pledge solidarity and join hands in the fight against poverty and inequality while creating social cohesion and nation building. We then highlighted the effects brought as a result of the sketch of gender-based violence and femicide, substance abuse, teenage pregnancy, and social, other social ills. We have since committed that Limpopo province is ready to work with the South African Human Rights Council to promote good values in our society, non-racialism, and moral regeneration through government programs. This, as the commission is continuing with its solidarity awareness campaign across the country to ensure unity, social cohesion, moral regeneration, and Ubuntu to create a conducive environment for all people to enjoy their rights. On behalf of governments, we really appreciate this initiative as it will go a long way in assisting us to deal with social ills that are having a direct impact on the lives and the well-beings of our people. We must be a society where quality healthcare, education, and basic services are provided to our people, regardless of, of whether they live in a village or in a town or in a city. Above all, we must be a, a society that recognizes the dignity of every individual, the role of every man, woman, and child in building a better future as it's a promise of our, account, of our constitution. As our government in working to rebuild our economy and our society, we must strive to make the promise. 
Thank you, Honorable uh, Chairperson. Thank you very much. The next speaker is Honorable uh, uh, N. Hatebe. Thank you, Honorable uh, Chairman, <clears throat> um, the Minister uh, for Justice and Correctional Services, MECs, colleagues, Honorable Chairperson, the fight for the recognition of fundamental human rights came at a, a great cause for South Africa. Many people dedicated their lives to one day see a government that would place human rights at the top of its agenda. On the 21st of March, we pay homage to those South Africans who stood for human rights yet needlessly lost their lives to a people that openly displayed hatred of, human, of, of fellow human beings. We must always reflect on this particular incident, the Shabville massacre, as a reminder to not become complacent, nor take for granted the fight for a, a constitutional democracy. While some may toy with ideas of regime change, we know that our, our elders had wisdom in their hunger for democracy. They recognize the need for a democratic system that guarantees the right to participate politically and equally towards a progressive observation of human rights for all. The global COVID-19 pandemic, pandemic has shown us more than ever how important the guarantee of, of fundamental human rights are. The absolute need for individuals in power to be held accountable and how critical it is to ensure that checks and balances on government power is maintained. We cannot go on accepting a gentleman's agreement that corruption will be taken seriously. The current administration sidesteps from dealing with corruption as it frequently passes the bug on to other arms of the state. Yet, what South Africa needs more than ever is a morally-led government that does not take kind to corruption a typical case in point came about when the whole world was left vulnerable to the COVID-19 pandemic, a time where our individual human rights and freedom were severely restricted. During the early stages of the COVID-19 pandemic, no true case was made for the, shock, for the shortcomings of human rights in our society. The whole country was subjected to the suspension of their human rights by means of harsh lockdown regulations, section 21 of, this, of the Bill of Human Rights. The fragility of our health system was exposed and proved to be inadequate, inadequate as the, in contradiction of section 27 of the Bill of Rights. The multi-layered need for a, a safe environment in section 24 of the same bill exposed huge shortcomings in observing the requirements for, I quote, an environment that is not harmful to their health and well-being, close quote. What happened, the rights to sufficient water and food in section 27 of the Bill of Rights, as we witnessed many rural schools, dwellings and areas suffer the effects of COVID-19 simply because they could not access safe water for sanitation. In contrast, we find that government ministers through shady vibes contracts are allegedly implicated in sucking money away from the poor, away from the efforts to access our human rights and stand by to allow people like this to, to continue to be popular figure in our communities. 
the COVID-19 pandemic has shown us how easy it, it could be for a government to abuse human rights and replace it with the rampant corruption. As country citizens, regardless of our differences, we must actively join forces, no matter the personality or wealth in taking to heart effects corruption has on limiting our on limiting our human rights. Whilst dealing with corruption is not a silver bullet, it goes a long way in realizing human rights for all. In closing, the Ingada Freedom Party honors the men, women, and families who fought for the liberation of our country. We commit ourselves to join with local communities in always fighting for equal human rights. I thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable Khadebe. The next uh, speaker is Honorable F.V. Mulombo. Mulombo from, from, from Pumalang. Honorable Mulombo. Much, uh, honorable chairperson of the NCOP, Honorable Masondo. Honorable Honorable and all my colleagues who are special delegates from the different uh, provinces, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen. I'm happy, Chair, to participate in this debate that takes place immediately after we have celebrated the Human Rights uh, Day yesterday. This debate is guided by the most profound and relevant topic, which is the right of equality, reducing poverty and inequalities. I want to argue that our country has achieved a lot in defense of the human rights of the people of South Africa. Today, Honorable Chair, we celebrate this day with our heads held high and our faces beaming with confidence because of the progress that the ANC-led government at both national, provincial and local level has achieved in just uh, less than 30 years. Today, Exercising their right to cast a vote and elect a government of their choice, a right which was highly impossible during the, the time of apartheid. Yes, Chair, the ANC has respected its pledge which it made in 1955 when it formed the Freedom Charter when it said that the people shall govern, when it said that the land shall be shared amongst those who work it, that the doors of learning and culture shall be open to all, that there shall be houses, security and comfort, and that all shall be equal before the law, 
and that the people can share in the country's wealth. Where in Africa and the world, Honorable Chair and the Honorable Members, have we seen a government achieving what the, the ANC government has achieved in South Africa? Where in Africa and the world has any organization been able to build the millions and millions of houses for the poor and the vulnerable in just less than 30 years compared to what we have seen in South Africa being done by the, by the African National Congress? Where in the world have we experienced the improvement in terms of the school children, the number of children that are attending schools, that are receiving free education, and the millions that are receiving food or meals at school in just uh, a period of less than 28 years. Our government has introduced a lot of institutions in this country to ensure that we comply and conform by the call of the Freedom Charter, that the people shall be equal before the law. The ANC government has introduced a lot of institutions whose objective is to ensure that they empower the people of this country and that they make the people of this country to feel and experience that they are in fact equal before the law. Millions of South Africans today, Jefferson, are benefiting from the social security network which is part of the respect of their human rights. Millions and millions of the people of South Africa, especially the poor and the most vulnerable, they receive basic free, free healthcare services as provided for by our constitution. The implementation of the national health insurance today, it's at an advanced stage. And that is aimed at ensuring that we increase the number, the millions and millions of people that are receiving basic, affordable, and accessible healthcare services in our country. The rights of the workers and the most vulnerable in our society are today protected by a number of legislations whose objective is to ensure that we defend the human rights of our people and reduce poverty and inequalities. All the above achievements, uh, uh, Honorable Chair, they are protected by a, pro a, a, a progressive constitution, a transformative constitution whose objective is to facilitate change in political, economic, social, and social relations in South Africa. It is a constitution that promotes democracy, that promotes the rule of law and the protection of human rights. It is a constitution that celebrates the richness of diversity of our culture, of our religion, and the beliefs of South Africans, and it affirms that all belong as equals in one nation and a South African nation. 
It is a constitution that commits the state to respecting, protecting, and prom promoting and fulfilling the rights as enshrined in the Bill of Rights in our constitution. It is a constitution that aims to transform our society from one that is based on injustice and strife to one that is based on justice and peace. Yes, it is a constitution that we are proud of that protects the human rights that we're talking about today here. It is a constitution whose aim is to ensure that the livelihood of our people is improved to the better. It is a constitution that depends the culture of democracy and human rights by establishing the chapter nine and chapter 10 institution to ensure that the human rights of the people of South Africa are in fact defended. We cannot ask more because the African National Congress has delivered uh, to the people of South Africa as it promised in a number of policy documents. As part of defending and consolidating the human rights of the people of Mpumalanga, because I am from Mpumalanga, let me indicate that the ANC government in Mpumalanga has declared a war on poverty. We have declared a war on poverty because we believe that no person can feel protected, no person can have dignity if uh, that person suffer from uh, um, 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 poverty and malnutrition. Ensure that uh, we in service delivery in municipalities because we understand that the rights and dignity of the people can only achieve be achieved if they get those uh, services that uh, they are supposed to get. We have implemented a radical program to ensure that we grow our economy and create jobs for the people of Mpumalanga because we understand that their dignity will only be justified if they have got jobs and opportunities. We have begun with the building of two new cities in Pumalanga. The first cities over after the, Democrat, the 1994 democratic breakthrough. In this financial year, the people of Pumalanga would experience dust going up and the ANC-led government building for them, establishing two new cities um, um, after the democratic breakthrough. We have made a commitment through the state of the province address that uh, as part of respecting we are going to deliver the first ever um, um, tertiary hospital in our province. So, Honorable Chair, when the sun rises, the people of Mpumalanga are hard at work to deliver a better life for all. And we want to make a recommitment as I close that we, the people of South Africa, recognize the injustice of our past and believe that South Africa belongs to all who live in it, black and white, united in our diversity, we shall respect the human rights of the people of Mpumalanga and South Africa. 
Thank you very much, Honorable Chair, and thank you very much, my colleagues. Thank you. Malibongwe! 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 Thank you, uh, Chairperson. Muzirosh Duro, NCOP, Mutusa, Muzirosh Duro. Um, the chief whip of NCOP in the demo Hawaii, um, Nabo Minister Vanevavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavav
and for the better future of our children. Chaperson, in a society with deep social and economic divisions, neither social nor economic transformation is possible without a capable and developmental state. The state provides the institutions and infrastructure that enables the economy and society to operate. It is important for the state to play a leading and intrigued role in directing growth in the economy through, amongst others, industrialization and infrastructure investment. This enables the private sector to be crowded in and create the necessary jobs and development. There is no developing country in the world that has left the task of socioeconomic transformation and development to the whims of the market. It is through public spending and investment by the state that the environment for the private sector to play a defining role in created. The ANC-led government is building a developmental state in order to successfully restructure public finances, create an effective tax system, dramatic improvement in service delivery and increase across to higher education for the poor and working class. Significant investments are going into revitalization of industrial parks and the establishment of special economic zones. In excess of 30 billion in investment have already been made for this purpose. This will give impetus to the resurrection of our manufacturing industry and expand value chains, which will effectively intensify our industrialization capacity and in the process create jobs, reduce poverty and diversity our economy. Jefferson, there are always challenges in the implementation of progressive policy. There will always be a contending forces who wish to see the status quo remain. We believe we shall emerge victorious in the struggle for the transformation and reconfiguration of our society to ensure that it, it is more inclusive. Chaperson, a fundamental shift in our growth trajectory and building a capable developmental state will be achieved only through a transforming the structure of the economy operation. Volindela was established as a joint uh, initiative of the presidency and the national treasury in October 2020 in pursuit of this imperative. Its aim to support departments and entities to accelerate the implementation of reforms that will unlock growth and create jobs. Five priorities will drive the transformation. These five priorities, Chairperson, is energy, which will ensure that there is competition in electricity generation with adequate supply to meet demands, bringing an end to load shedding. The independent grid operator will buy electricity at the lowest price from ESCOP and private generators. The second one, improving and developing our freight logistics system, which will make the sector more competitive and efficient, which will have the results of more jobs in export industries, lower cost for all of the goods and that will buy, and less congestion on our highway. The release of the spectrum will reduce data costs, increase broadband speed and quality and expand the network reach across the country, including in deep rural areas, Jefferson. The successful auction of Spectrum took place just 
this month within the deadline set by the president in 2021. Develop stronger institutions in the water sector to improve maintenance of our water infrastructure, fewer disruption to water supply, and long-term water security in the face of climate change. The reforms to the visa system, which will ensure that we can access skills and resources that our economy needs while protecting and increasing the implement of South Africans, especially in low-skilled and semi-skilled work. Chairperson, the African National Congress is hard at work to bring about the necessary structural changes to our economy in order to create a more inclusive economy and planting the seeds of growth in the soil of consensus to yield the fruits of jobs and opportunity. Our economy, however, remains highly concentrated with a few monopolies and oligarchies dominating the commanding height of our economy. This is mainly due to the fact that the apartheid regime actively promoted national champion in different sectors by developing industrial state-owned enterprises. Monopolies and agricultural cooperatives that were later privatized and condone industry cartels protected the self-sufficiency and economic interests of a small minority. This has created barriers to entry and decreased participation by SMMEs in the economy Jefferson. According to the Competition Commission, out of some of 44 sectors in our country, 69.5 are highly concentrated with 40% being moderately concentrated and only 9.7 of sectors being unconcentrated. This is a real cause for concern. It is imperative that government, the Competition Commission and other sectors of civil society work hard to break up monopolies and the high levels of concentration and low levels of participation in the economy. We further have to provide SMEs with the necessary support to ensure their growth and sustainability. The implementation of native lands at Deepo says, as I conclude. Uh, yes, no, 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 you have 15 minutes. Yes. <laughs> I, five I, more minutes. Sorry. Yes. Please, please that Deepo says, yes, Jefferson, thank you very much. The implementation of Native Lands Act of 1933, 1913, that disposes Black, Indigenous South Africans of their land, fermented the solid socioeconomic injustice that lives with us today. Scholars across the board are in agreement that effect of this piece of legislation was devastating for the black and its effect are felt to this very day, Chairperson, more than a century later. The NC government has made significant strides to the redistribute land to dispose black South Africans to correct this injustice. However, this has been far from adequate, not enough Productive land has been transferred into the hands of black farmers and producers. Support programs for new farmers have largely been ineffective. It is important to help nurses and prophets of doom understand why land 
redistribution is important for creating an inclusive economy. In general, growth in agriculture is two to three times more effective in reducing poverty than an equivalent amount of growth generated outside agriculture. The advantage of agriculture over non-agriculture sectors in reducing poverty is largest for the poorest in the society, ultimately disappears as countries become richer, growth in agriculture can also extend to other welfare outcomes such as food insecurity and malnutrition. Radical land redistribution is needed, Chairperson, now more than ever, as it will give impulses to accelerate participation in agriculture and agro-processing value chains as this is one of the crucial economic sectors to transform the economy through sustainable employment creation. Business opportunities invest attraction and growing our export base. We have to ensure that there are effective programs to to improve and increase training and support measures that will ensure the success of beneficiary of land reform. Chairperson, transformational imperatives are embedded in our constitution. Section 217 of the constitution places an obligation on the state to pursue policy legislation that seeks to correct injustice of the past. Since the promulgation and implementation of our broad-based Black economic empowerment policies, we have been able to open opportunities for many previously disadvantaged individuals. The Black middle class has increased substantially since, since the dawn of the democracy. Much more needs to be done to transform the racial character of our economy to make it more inclusive and effect reflect of the democratics in our country. State procurement should be enhanced as an empowerment lever. Sorry, chairperson. As an empowerment lever, as it represents a significant market for business particularly small enterprises, and should be viewed as a key instrument for empowering emerging Black businesses. It will be remiss of me if I did not address the implication of the Constitution Court judgment on the public procurement regulation of 2017. It must be understood that the judgment that has not been done away with our Black empowerment policy or preferential procurement legislation policy or preferential procurement as many would want us to believe. In actuality, the court pronounced on the importance of empowerment and transformational legislation as effective tools to realize the objective of section 217 of the constitution. The court determined that the power to, to determine the preferential policy reset with organs of the state and not the Minister of Finance, as per the precautions of preferential procurement policy framework act. Our organs of state should continue determining procurement policies that empower black owned enterprises. As the African National Congress, we will not waive in fulfilling our historic mandate of changing the lives of our people and transforming the structure of our economy. The dawn of COVID-19 on our shores has undermined the gain we have made thus far and compound the challenges of our country. Another challenge confronting us is a concentrated effort of undermine 
and derail our democratic violence and disruption, as well as attacks on both public and private infrastructure. These attempts are an insult to those who laid down their lives for the internet in our constitution. We cannot allow these to continue. We call upon all, as I conclude, we call upon all patriotic South Africans and post government in defending the gains of our democracy and advancing socioeconomic transformation. I thank you, Chairperson. Nori Wam Chimzamshu. Our next speaker is going to Honorable S.G. Fernandez. But as Fernandez uh, 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 prepares himself to take uh, the podium, uh, I will now hand over to Honorable Winningwenya uh, to preside. Uh, Honorable Fernandez. Honorable Chairperson, may I proceed? Honorable Chairperson, the Honorable Minister, all MECs, special and permanent delegates to the NCOP, members of provincial legislatures, representatives of local government, members of the media, fellow South Africans, good morning, Priyamora, Mulweni, Assalamu alaikum. As I reflect on the Human Rights Day that just passed and the personal sacrifices that so many people made in pursuit of South Africa's freedom, I realize that we are not short of courage in this beautiful nation. It exists in every family and community and in every village and town. Yet, yesterday's celebration of Human Rights Day was a bittersweet one for many South Africans. Honorable Chairperson, for a long time, South Africa appeared set to avoid the political chaos that plagued many, many African countries in the post-colonial era. However, that exceptionalism came at a cost. It allowed the ruling African National Congress Party the liberty to indulge in profound denialism and create a narrative of steady progress, even as corruption engulfed its ranks and its governments continued to fail on delivering basic services to the poor. It is hardly a surprise that more than a quarter of municipalities are nearly bankrupt and state-owned entities are struggling due to corruption and bad poor governance. What is more concerning, Honorable Chairperson, is that billions of rands allocated to the COVID-19 response and relief efforts were plundered through dubious procurement practices, citizens, understandably, are livid and anger is pouring out onto the streets. Honorable Chairperson, we find that under the leadership of our current national government, work opportunities are far and few between, with an estimated 30 million or 56 million South Africans living below the poverty line, according to the World Bank report. Currently, 9.9 million people do not have jobs. We have given up hope of finding a job. And in order to address the pandemics of unemployment, poverty, and gender-based violence, amongst others, we need a capable state. Honorable Chairperson, in the Western Cape, we do things differently. Under the leadership of Premier, Premier Alan Windy, 
the Western Cape government adopted a recovery plan last year in promotion of the rights and dignity of citizens living in the Western Cape, working day to day to address the COVID-19 pandemic and doing our best to keep our residents safe from its devastation, we quickly concluded that we needed a responsive plan. Consequently, we formed new partnerships with civil society in the wake of the myriad of ne negative impacts of COVID-19 and appreciated anew the importance of partnerships, especially public-private partnerships. We came to the conclusion that our strategy was as valid as before. Malnutrition in the province existed before COVID-19, only it is now more severe and requires even more of our focus. Unemployment was always a challenge. We were determined to confront, and now we have an even greater determination. Crime and violence were intolerably high and needed to be tackled. And with expectation that it is going to become worse, we are even more determined than ever to address it head on. Honorable Chair, this plan is a recognition of and a response to these pandemics. It identifies the problems that require an urgent whole of society response in order to create jobs, foster safe communities, and promote the well-being of the residents of the Western Cape. It is being pursued with the same energy and collaborative approach that created the coalition that came together to fight the dreaded coronavirus. The recovery plan is based on four equally important themes. The first theme being COVID recovery as the pandemic is still with us. Our second theme is safety. This is the overarching theme for the provincial strategic plan and it is equally relevant going forward as it is inextricably linked with well-being, as safety cannot be achieved if basic human needs are not met. Honourable Chair, when we set out to implement the Western Cape Government Safety Plan, having moved more boots on the ground was only one off of the plan. We, of course, need more law enforcement officers in crime hotspots, especially given the national government's under-resourcing of the province, but we also need a violence prevention interventions that prevent violent crime from happening in the first place. We are the only province to establish a violence prevention unit within the Department of Health, which provides evidence that is data-based to support our efforts to fight crime in the Western Cape. The third component of our recovery plan is that of jobs and economic recovery. The economic impact of COVID-19 has been severe. We can only recover if our economy grows and if citizens are able to generate an income. The significant job losses during the pandemic has meant that this delicate balance has been damaged and many other areas that determine progress has worsened because of it. Honorable Chair, during Premier Windy's State of the Province address, he quoted the following, our single biggest priority in the year ahead must be to create an environment where private sector creates jobs and lots of them. We must fight back against our pandemic of joblessness because a job puts food on the table. A job keeps a child in school. 
A job keeps a young man off the streets and out of a gang. A job can mean a happier, healthier and longer life for you, unquote. The Western Cape government has prioritized infrastructure-led job employment over the MTIP, which will form the basis of tackling safety and improving the well-being of citizens of the Western Cape. Our fourth component of our recovery plan is that of well-being. A government must ensure that the basic human needs of its citizens are realized as guaranteed in the Constitution. Honorable Chair, a concept that is central to the above four themes is dignity. The citizen is at the center of everything that we do as a government and that we deliver and how we deliver it. We must uphold the dignity of every individual household and, and, members of, and for members of the community. The well-being and dignity work stream has established various working groups and in the interest of time, I will mention just a few of the key ones. We have established a gender-based violence work stream to address the scourge of gender-based violence that has spiraled out of control as the justice system fails many victims. We saw the debacle with the DNA. We see rape kits or the lack of rape kits at police stations. And so I can continue. We have established a provincial faith-based forum which plays an integral role in connecting our whole of society approach. We have established a dedicated youth forum to focus on the needs of youth and especially the needs of youth not yet in employment. And to address poverty and malnutrition, we have established a working group that focuses on nourish to flourish. This working group is led by the Department of Agriculture. It works very closely with the EDP, which is led by Professor Andrew Burain, and that is the Western Cape Food Forum. And the Food Forum embraces all of civil society, and it is the connect between government and civil society. Honorable Chair, food and, food and nutrition insecurity are growing threats to our democracy. The NIDS-CRAM findings have shown that increased levels of household food insecurity that began with COVID-19 are likely to persist over the medium term. Whilst hunger is a symptom of the jobs crisis, malnutrition and poverty can't be solved without addressing the food system and how it is shaped by other key systems. In our Dignity and Well group, Being Work Group, the Food Forum acts as the link. They meet every second week um, they have launched a newsletter. We have engaged key stakeholders. Thank you, Honourable Chair. In an effort to conclude, I would like to address the Honourable Minister through you, Chair, and all Honourable Members on the platform to say that to address the basic needs as enshrined in the Constitution, we must act swiftly and decisively to address corruption because it is corruption that is depriving our citizens of their basic rights as enshrined in our constitution. I thank you. Thanks very much, honorable member. Honorable members, we continue with our speakers list. I'll now call Councillor F. Boltman Salga.
Salva. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable uh, W. Nguenya, for the opportunity. Let me quickly get to my speech here. Yeah. Yes, uh, Honorable Chairperson Bab Masondo and Honorable Deputy Chairperson NCOP, Honorable Mayor Sylvia Lucas, the Honorable Minister Arla Mola, the Honorable Chief Whip of the NCOP, Honorable MECs and delegates from uh, all provinces, Honorable House uh, Chairperson, Committee and Oversight, Honorable House Chairperson members, uh, support and IR, Honorable Permanent Delegates, Honorable Special Delegates, fellow South Africans, good day. Salga appreciates the genesis to freedom and attainment of democracy in South Africa through many mechanisms and for this day's purpose, outside peaceful resistance in the form of protests, marches, and demonstrations with masses mobilized to action by lived experiences daily from an unjust uh, apartheid system that terrorized them and undermined their very fundamental human rights and dignity. The hallmark of such was the Sharpville massacre on the 21st of March, 1960, that saw 69 people, including women and children, murdered in cold blood and 180 of them wounded. They were unarmed and defenseless. This because of a simple peaceful demonstration for a free movement in the country of their birth in protest of compulsory caring of Human Rights Month is commemorated to remind South Africans about the sacrifices that accompanied the struggle for the attainment of democracy in South Africa. We reinforce our commitment to the Bill of Rights as enshrined in our constitution, guided by the theme for Human Rights Day 2022, the freedom of movement and, resi and residence. This rights, Chairperson uh, Mengwenya, this rights include equality. Everyone is equal before the law and has the right to equal protection and benefit of the law. Human dignity, everyone has inherit uh, dignity and have their dignity respected and protected. Freedom of movement and residence, everyone has a right to freedom of movement and, the, and, and to reside anywhere in the country. Language and culture, um, language and culture, everyone has the right to use the language and to participate in the cultural life of their choice. I've heard earlier, uh, someone was reading her speech and at the end of that speech, she spoke in Afrikaans and I mean, that is also the right. Uh, life, everyone has the right to life. Whether we are at the workplace, within the communities, at schools, or with our partners and children, we all need to demonstrate the kind of responsibility that uh, we would like to see in our country's future. 
We need to intensify the implementation of these progressive policies in order to achieve the ultimate objectives of genuine socio-economic uh, transformation. Government has identified the triple challenges of poverty, inequality, and unemployment as a, a militating against the improvement and upliftment of the lives of our people for the better. The fact that many people, especially young people in the group of the historical disadvantaged communities remain unemployed and therefore not active in the mainstream economy is a serious indictment on our uh, political system currently. We need to ensure that the country's economy can embrace the diversity of skills and competencies that our people possesses. We call on all South Africans to use Human Rights Month to foster greater social cohesion, nation building, and a shared national identity. It is our duty as a nation to strive for inclusive socio-economic development while ensuring that we combat sketches that, uh, such as racism, you know, racial uh, uh, discrimination, xenophobia, and all related intolerances, as well as gender-based violence and femicide, which are undermining our human rights culture. Gender equality is a fundamental human right that we should never fail to emphasize. That women's rights are human rights. Sustainable development goal number five, gender equality. It says, achieve gender equality and empower all women and girls. And joins all of us to account for the achievement of, of the all uh, in indicators for the achievements of this goal. Honorable uh, Chaperson, as guided by the house topic for today, the right to equality, reducing poverty and inequality. We should all accept that there can be no proper enjoyment of freedom and human dignity, while some in our population are ravaged by poverty, brought about the inequality in the distribution of economic uh, resources of our country. We have opulence side by side, the worst form of leg and object poverty. We need to find better ways to spread resources and rescue our people from the inhuman conditions under which they live. Jefferson, it is our duty as government in partnership with the private sector to double our efforts and bring about conditions for an inclusive economy and reduce the social equality gap. The social package that is composed of government support to deserving citizens, inclusive of the social security grant for the elderly, the people with disability, the children, the unemployed, the military veterans, the free access to health care services, inclusive of maternity pre and postnatal care, the free education system, uh, many have uh, touched on the education system, from pre-primary to metric, support in tertiary education through NESFAS, the expanded public works uh, programs, the internship and exposure, 
exposure to work uh, support programs, I mean to say. The access to free basic services for indigenous uh, households. Salga believes that all this work, they work close, uh, uh, they work close to, 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 to social inequality gap. In the local government space, we continue to deal with challenges of migration internally to cities, resulting in rural areas getting lower funding allocations relative to the population size, with the same population migrating homes during holidays and demanding services from the municipalities. The funding allocation to the local government sphere remains a challenge with the expectation of revenue generation that is not, uh, that is not uh, happening as anticipated. Jefferson, the migration management across the international borders also brings similar challenges where unregistered immigrants flood cities and communities and results in pressures on the delivery of basic uh, services. We remain committed to work through all intergovernmental relations uh, platforms to tackle these challenges and bring about solutions to close the inequality gap and reduce poverty, of course. Uh, the DDM one sector plans are a vehicle to pull, to pull in all government resources together to deliver to the needs of our communities. Our strategic focus as SALGA for the next uh, five years is driven from the following uh, six pillars or six priorities. Uh, People-centered governance, which is the first one, innovation solutions, reputable local government, effective engaged networks, inclusive social economic returns, and the last one, a developmental local government for global competitiveness. We wish yes, all South Africans a happy Human Rights Month Yes, you conclude, uh, Honourable Member. All of us a happy uh, 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 Human Rights Month. Thank you, uh, Honourable Chairperson. I thank you. Thanks very much. Kamala Makoskazi. Thanks, Honourable Member. Uh, the next speaker is Honourable Dibrain. Honourable Dibrain. Thank you, Honourable Chair. Honourable Chair, Human Rights Day 2022 was an insult to the citizens of a large part of the Free State, and especially in the Mangung Metro, where citizens was and still are without water for five days now, undermining the basic human rights to have access to clean water. In the Kopadong municipality, water has been restricted to 30% for the past nine weeks already, leaving most of the community without any water, and this due to the non-payments from the municipality to the water board. In the Wetsdorp, the community is constantly struggling with water supply for more than seven years already and counts themselves lucky if there is water for more than two consecutive days. Clearly, this is an insult to basic human rights. And if we look at the Act of Human Rights, stating that everyone has the right to a clean and safe environment, one can't help but wonder how this Act is interpreted by government. It must obviously be misunderstood if we look at the millions of liters of raw sewage running down our streets and into our rivers and 
streams all across South Africa, polluting and destroying our environment for the next generations. And as far as safety is concerned, we all know the state of crime in South Africa. We murder, rape and violent crimes has become the order of the day and part of our day-to-day -day, day -day living as a result of a poor and non-functional police service. Achbar Voorzitter, in plaats daarvan om mensenrechte as a politische speelbal te gebruik het, so ons graag eerder wou sien of hoor hoe die eindse regering van plan was om die probleme aan te spreek en te verseker dat basisse dienste gelever word, so dat allemaal in Zuid-Afrika al basisse rechte kan geniet. Maar oudere gewoonte verskyf die ANC eerder die focus weg van hulle eie ondervoer om basisse dienste te lever en mensenrechte te bevorder en word daar gevoorgekes eerder op geïsoleerde gevallen van die verlede waar rasse haard eerder bevorder word in plaas van mensenrechte. President Ramaphosa yesterday used the incident of Skirlik in 2008 where the shooting took place by a white man as an attempt to shift the focus from the ANC's incompetence and to create racial tension in South Africa instead of addressing the issues and shortcomings of government to ensure that all in South Africa can one day enjoy basic human rights. And I would like to say to the President and to the ANC that living and hiding behind the past will get you nowhere. Blaming the past for your incompetence will get you nowhere. And fueling racial tension to hide your inability to govern South Africa will get you nowhere and instead makes you racist. Human Rights Day 2022 was a reminder to all South Africans that we unfortunately do not have the luxury to enjoy basic human rights in South Africa. It was a reminder that government and the ANC, as usual, puts their own needs and agendas before the needs of the people. It was a reminder that we have a government that prefers living in the past instead of creating a better future. And most of all, it was a reminder that no South African will truly have the pleasures of human rights as long as the ANC governs. Thank you. Thanks, Honorable Member. The next is speaker is Honorable Nana. Honorable Member. Thanks, Thanks, Mamungwanya, Honorable Minister, Honorable Members. Colleagues, freedom was not free. Many South Africans lost lives and limbs, and limbs for me to enjoy the fruits of their sacrifices. I have no doubt in my mind that all those who paid with their lives are now turning in their graves for what our country has become. Neither effort nor energy must be spared in honoring them. Statues, memorial gardens, and heroes' acres can never be enough. We must honor them by providing basic human rights, such as clean water to those they bequeathed freedom. Open quote. Our daily deeds as ordinary South Africans must produce an actual South, Afri South African reality that will reinforce humanity's belief in justice, strengthen its confidence in the nobility of the human soul, and sustain all our hopes for a glorious life for all. Never, never, and never again shall it be that this beautiful land will again experience the oppression of one by another and suffer the indignity of being the skunk of the world." Close quote. This is Nelson Mandela in his inauguration as the president of the Democratic South Africa. As the country, we need to have a hard and honest look at ourselves as to whether we have not become the skunk President Mandela warned. As we, as we all probably know, 
and lots of speakers who came before me have spoken at length about the origins of Human Rights Day. Indeed, this day came about as a result of the massacre in Shabbil in 1960. However, honorable members, we must never forget the Langa massacre outside Utenaik in the Eastern Cape on the 21st of March, uh, 1985, in which 35 mourners were killed by the apartheid police and left 27 others wounded. As part of Human Rights Day celebrations, yesterday I spent time in a tiny town of Kumcha in the Eastern Cape. We had an event in which a close 250 people were in attendance. I, I spoke to one Ms. Tobeka Matanga. She told me she was initially reluctant to attend our event because she has lost hope, she has given up, she thinks the governing party has forgotten them. By her own admission, she is not a DA voter, but she decided to attend the event because she has heard that where the DA govern, it gets the, it gets the job done. Honorable members, the sad story of Sistobega and many others of the neighbors in Kumcha dates back to more than eight years ago when their taps went dry. They know they are now at the mercy of Amatolectish municipality. And now and then they trucks cut water to, to their township. But this service is not consistent and they spend most of the time without water. It is an open secret in that area that owners of these drugs are in the high echelons of the ANC in the region. And this explains why Amatole municipality has chosen a more expensive option of providing water to this community rather than drawing water by a pipeline from the Great Kai, which is a few kilometers away. So for Sistobeka and many others in the neighborhood, Human rights meant nothing. Honorable Majlopa, in the struggle, there were many players and formations, such as the Progressive Party, which is the predecessor of the DA, which had a lone ranger in parliament in the, in the name of Mrs. Helen Susman. She fought tooth and nail for the release of Nelson Mandela and other political prisoners, at least at the very most, she deserves an acknowledgement. But Honorable Majlopo, you should be ashamed of yourself. Probably you are not told that this, this session will be carried in five platforms. For you to stand in front of us and defend job corruption in the city of Johannesburg is shameful. You know your core staff in your office are on a fixed term should Sitlatzegalara decides to fire you, as I think she should, you will go with your staff. And therefore, you cannot convert jobs jobs off on a fixed contract for people having not even gone through interviews. It is called job corruption. I don't wish to see you again in this, in, in this house. Mamu Mashangu, your speech for, for, for once today hit all the, all the right notes. And I give credit to, to the person who wrote your speech. But remember, you kept on, you kept on saying uh, we need to have a private sector to invest so as, so as we can create jobs. No private sector, and I want to, you must listen to me, no private capital can invest their money in an 
in an unstable environment. There has to be policy certainty for them to put in their money. For as long as we are talking about uh, taking land without uh, paying back owners of the land, forget that private capital will put in will put in their money. Returns. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Thanks very much, Honorable Nana. Chocolate. South Carolina. Order, order, order. Order members. Order. Honor member, we continue with our uh, with our list, uh, speakers list. The next speaker is Honorable J. AJ Nyambi, African National Congress. Honorable Nyambi. Thank you, uh, House Chair. Mamguenya, Chairperson Tate Masondo, Honorable Minister Lamula, MSCs from our respective provinces, Honorable Members, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Honorable Nana, it is a fact that our government, led by the ANC, has done a lot in reducing poverty and inequality. But be that as it may, we all agree that there's still a lot to be done. Honorable Nana, a brotherly and honorable comradely advice. If we're in a debate like this one, all the time, play the ball, not the man. Play the ball, not a man. Honorable Chair, person. 21 March 1960, it's a painful reminder of the brutality of apartheid system against black people in general and the Africans in particular. It also reminds us of the resilient struggles waged by black people against apartheid and colonialism for the freedom and democracy we enjoy today, as correctly said by Honorable Minister Lamula when he was opening the debate. Just five years before the Sharpeville and Lang massacre on the 26th of June, 1955, the people of South Africa from all walks of life gathered in Cape Town, Johannesburg, to formulate a blueprint document for a democratic South Africa, the Freedom Charter. The ANC democratic government is determined in the implementation of the Freedom Charter. The Freedom Charter declared that there should be equality among all national groups, all shall be equal before the law. There shall be housing, comfort and security. The land shall be shared among those who work it. The doors of learning and culture shall be open. House Chairperson, when the ANC came into power in 1994, we ensured that the aspiration of our people expressed in the Freedom Charter find expression in government policy. The Bill of Rights in our democratic constitution play a central role in ensuring that we deliver on the commitment of the Freedom Charter. Honorable House Chair, our democratic government takes the provision of a basic service as a human right for all our people. We have done a lot in 28 years since we came to power to redress the imbalances of the past. No one can dispute that. It is a fact. Of course, 
there are some challenges. No one can dispute the fact that since 1994, the democratic government has been able to roll out in a massive scale the provision of basic services to our people. It is a fact that this ANC government has provided over 5 million free RDP houses to South Africans who do not afford to own a house. The beneficiaries of these free RDP houses are also entitled to free basic electricity. This ANC government has ensured that our people has access to water services. Today, our people have water. Of course, there are some challenges in comfort of their homes for those living in urban areas. While we have ensured that for rural communities, water is accessed within the 200 meters radius, these government actions are informed by the commitment of the very same Freedom Charter I alluded to. Honorable House Chairperson, the struggle against colonialism and apartheid was not only about the brutality of the system, but also about the oppressive and discriminatory laws such as the Group Areas Act. Honorable colleagues, it's a, it, in a matters, it, it matters where people live and work. Honorable MC from Western Cape, maybe let me take Western Cape and use it as an example, the mother city as an example. People living in Kailicha, working in Cape Town, Central Business District, travel more than 30 kilometers to and from work every day. The cost of public transport for those taking the minibus taxi is 21 rand per trip, meaning that it's 48 rand per day equal to 924 per month. The amount could be up if employees work during weekends. This is too much for people who are working low-paying jobs, such as cashiers in shop drive. For an example, an, an average salary for a cashier at shop right is 750 per week, which is less than the minimum wage set by our government. Almost 40% of the salary is used for public transport leaving the employee with little cash. The cost of public transport is a barrier to job seekers. It discourages people to seek for work. As things stands, the mother city is not a mother to all her children, as you claim. And this government, we must ensure that we address the spatial inequalities to reduce the poverty and inequality. We must ensure that people live in close proximity to their places of work. Honorable Minister tried to deal with this fact. Honorable House Chair, the high levels of poverty and inequality are a barrier to economic development and economic growth. Poverty and inequality for black majority was deliberately created by the colonial and apartheid government successive policies, as today we are failing to understand that Honorable Nana and Honorable De, 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 De Brain. It was the special government policy that created inequality access to education between the blacks and whites. It was its policies which ensures that there are few healthcare services in areas where black people reside. It was through job reservations that excluded black people from job opportunities because they were reserved for white people as today Honorable Fernandez and Honorable uh, Nana and Honorable Deplay, we are struggling to, uh, to understand these simple facts. Today, we have people 
go through apartheid government exclusionary policies live in poverty. Most of them are uneducated, others have never worked and are dependent on government social protection services for their livelihoods. These people were deliberately excluded to acquire quality education to enable them to participate in the job market, as correctly explained by the minister when opening the debate. Honorable members, people affected by poverty in the most are young people and women. President Ramaphosa, in his State of the Nation address, and today the minister dealt with this uh, thing. One such intervention is the Presidential Employment Stimulus Program that has created more than 850,000 jobs opportunities since its inception in 2020. 80% of the beneficiaries in the program were young people and women constituted 60% of all those employed in the program. Why can't you acknowledge that, honorable members, so that we can be seen that you are dealing with facts, not just distortion for political ends. Furthermore, through the South African Youth Mobi platform, our government has assisted more than 600,000 with job placement. Honorable House Chair, women are the backbone of our communities and are at the forefront in addressing poverty and hunger in their communities. Many of the community-based organizations are led and populated by women. Have been recognized that our government is committed in creating 50,000 job opportunities through the Social Employment Fund, and as the NCOP will be watching that doing effective oversight. We want to reiterate that creating jobs is not the sole responsibility of government, but also the private sector needs to play its role as well. This is why our government is revising the Employment Tax Incentive Scheme to ensure that it's accessible to small, medium, and micro enterprises who are the drivers of economic growth and employment of the, in our country. The ANC government is committed in reducing poverty and inequality in our society. When people are self-sufficient, they are able to assert and exercise their democratic rights. Honorable members, the democratic government is committed in narrowing the inequality and the poverty gap in our society through the provision in the social wage spending in education, health, social development. We are confident as government that will reduce poverty and inequality in our society. The founding president of our democratic society, Ntate Nelson Mandela, once said, open quote, education is the great engine of personal development. It is through education that the daughter of a peasant can become a doctor that the son of a mine worker can become the head of the mine, that a child of a farm workers can become the president of a great nation. It is what we make out of what we have, not what we are given, that separates one person from another. Close quote. That is why me and you, Honorable Nana, who are beneficiaries of that and who are members of this uh, beautiful house called National Council of Provinces. Through the commitments we made in the Freedom Charter, that the doors of learning and culture shall be open. Government has committed an amount of 36 billion towards the free higher education. Honorable House Chairperson, quality education and skill development enables people to participate in the economy meaningfully. 
And it is through acquiring new skills that drive the emergence of new industries, which then lead to increased employment out of poverty and inequality is reduced in our society. The government is committed in the provision of quality healthcare. That is why an amount of three billion has been allocated to absorb medical interns and community service doctors. It is our belief that through the implementation of the national health insurance, will achieve equal access to quality healthcare services in our society. It is through government concerted efforts in partnership with social partners will be possible to address the high level of poverty inequality in our society. Honorable uh, Nana, Honorable Debrain, Honorable MC Fernandez, to know what you know and what you don't know, you must know that's what you call knowledge. To know what you know and know what you don't know is true knowledge. It's clear that Honorable Minister, when was opening, it means we're not listening or you decided to focus on what was prepared for you. Because if we're listening to when the minister was opening the, the debate today, acknowledging some challenges, of course, touching achievements of government, and a number of speeches said by honorable members, you only focus on that paragraph by honorable Mashango, of which I commend you for that, for giving credit waste to. But a brother and honorable advice in future, listen when a, a debate is being opened so that you are not out of context, but you are in sync with, with what we are debating. In conclusion, allow me, Honorable House Chairperson, to indicate that we will continue to make strides in ensuring that our commitments in the Freedom Charter are realized and poverty and inequality is reduced. It is a fact that our government has done a lot in reducing poverty and inequality. But be that as it may, we say, much more still need to be done. Honorable Minister, maybe in future, you have to organize an imbizo will avail all members of NCOP to understand why it's always relevant to share the challenges of the past in dealing with issues that are facing us today. We are not shying away from, from corruption. You, you led from the front. You talk about uh, the steps that are being taken by government to fight corruption. And now an impression is being created that uh, ANC is not going to be fighting corruption. Honorable Chief, once again, thanks for making such a very important debate and allowing us to engage and share and celebrate people that contributed. And uh, we want to thank all Matthias who never even lived to see this democracy we're enjoying today. But it is out of their tireless efforts that today some of us from these deep rural areas, we are able to debate, not only able to debate, but after what has been done by government, who are on a virtual platform debating. I so thank you, the House Chairperson. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Honorable Member. 
Workshop them, Baba. Workshop order, them. Mama. Order. Thanks very much, uh, House Chairperson uh, Honorable Nyambi. Uh, I'll now uh, continue with our list, uh, speakers list. I would like now to call on our R. Lamola, Minister Justice and Correctional Service, Honorable Lamola. Th th thank you, um, House Baba. Chairperson. Thank you, thank you, House Chairperson, and um, uh, we welcome the constructive input from some of the honorable members. It is unfortunate that um, the, the, the opposition parties, uh, the coalition of the EFF, the DA, and the Freedom Front Plus uh, chose to use this platform for electioneering and not to deal with the day-to-day -day human rights issues affecting the people of our country. There will be a time for electioneering in the 2024 general elections, and we have just finished now a process of electioneering with the local government elections. Now the people of this country, they expect us to deliver services. They expect us to continue to protect their rights, which is unfortunate that this coalition... Uh, of these three organizations, every platform they get, they use it to proclaim that the ANC is going to be out of power in 2024. They must not speak on behalf of the people of South Africa. The people of South Africa, they will be able to speak for themselves through the ballot when they go and vote in 2024. For the opposition and for ourselves now, is to build a country that responds to the economic challenges and to the human rights issues of our people as we speak now um, and as we are here to deal with them. And I think um, Honorable Nyambi has responded to a number of, um, of issues. I would just like to use this opportunity to condemn the attack of Ukoko Mashangu by a known excellence at night attacking a vulnerable woman who is an international artist icon for our country. It's an unfortunate incident, and the police must be able to apprehend, manhunt, whoever is the perpetrator. And the law must take its course. A clear message must be sent to the people of this country that we all have a responsibility to, to, to protect nature and ensure that the vulnerable and the elder, they've got a safe place of living in our country. And we want to wish speedy recovery to Koko Mashangu, and uh, also convey to her that um, the government of this country is with her and we call upon the police to do everything possible to apprehend and ensure that justice is served on this matter so that the people of this country must be able to see that uh, they can feel safe uh, in our country. And um, also to state that um, uh, employment of people through due processes um, is not um, a, a corruption. The DA deploys um, the Federal Council of the DA. It was proven in the last uh, State of the Nation address. A letter was written to the Stellenbosch municipality uh, where the Federal Council was deployed. So I'm shocked shock. that the Honorable Nana is um, calling uh, that to be corruption. 
So we must, uh, if that is corruption, then uh, we must first arrest that federal council uh, for for wanting to capture the Stellenbosch municipality. But the deployment is an acceptable way of governing by any governing party. And the president, when he presented to the Zondo Commission, he even referenced to the OECD paper that clearly states that in all developing nations in the world, even the most advanced democracies developed the issue of cadre deployment or the issue of um, deployment committee or policies is available to any governing party. It happened in the USA, it happens in England. In any advanced democracy, it does happen. And um, as uh, we speak, what the DA is doing in the city of Johannesburg is to patch um, people that they believe do not belong to their organization. And as the ANC, we are very clear as the ANC government that um, all South Africans capable who have uh, gone through two processes must be employed irrespective of political affiliation, irrespective of race or color or creed. It is unfortunate that um, in the Western Cape, um, as um, uh, MEC Fernandez was speaking, as we speak now, people are being um, killed in the townships, Kaelicha, uh, in, um, in, um, in Langa, and most of the townships there. Because uh, the DA-led government is only planning or is only protecting the affluent um, uh, uh, suburbs and only those that they believe uh, are people of affiliation to the Democratic Alliance. They do not have any plans to help and ensure that even in Kailicha, in Langa, um, in, um, in, um, in, uh, in all the Has townships... Minister? In all the townships of the Western Cape, there is fair uh, policing which is not racially biased, but is for the people of all the Western Cape. In closing, um, House Chairperson, thank you very much for the constructive engagement, and uh, let's all put our hands together to work for all South Africans. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, honorable members. Thank you. Uh, honorable members and uh, honorable delegate, I would like uh, to thank uh, all the members that have been participated and thank you the Thank you, House Chair. Thanks, Chief Whip. Honorable delegate, we shall now proceed to the order of the day. Consideration of the report of the Select a Committee on Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, Water and Sanitation and Human Settlement. Announcement, tables, and the directive in terms of the Section 63 of the Water Services Act 1997, Act number 108 of 1997, to Umtatuze Water Board, date 15 March 2022. I would now like to call Honorable T. 
S.C. Totovu. Honorable Totovu. The chairperson of the Select uh, Committee you. of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, Sanitation thank and you. Human Settlement, Honorable Totovu. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members of this House. Honorable I have an honor and privilege to... I can see you, but uh, I can't hear you. Honorable... Can, can you hear me now, Chair? Now I can hear you. Okay. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members of the House. I have an honor and privilege to present on behalf of the Select Committee on COCTA, Human Settlements, Water and Sanitation, a statement on the directive in terms of Section 63 of the Water Service Act, number 108 of 1997, on the Mkhatuzi Water Board. As I present this statement, we know that today, the 22nd of March, is World Water Day. Since 1993, on this day, the world celebrates water and raises awareness of more than 2 billion people living without access to safe water. The World Water Day is an annual United Nations Observance Day to highlight the importance of fresh water. The day is used to advocate for the sustainable management of, of fresh water resources. The theme of each day focuses on topics relevant to clean water, sanitation, and hygiene, which is in line with the targets of sustainable development goal number six. And on this day, the United Nations Water Development Report is released each year around water around World Water Day. Honorable Chairperson, on the 11th of March 2022, the Select Committee had, had a virtual meeting and an, an engagement with the Minister, Deputy Minister, and senior officials of the Department of Water and Sanitation. This engagement was informed by the directive tabled in terms of Section 63 of the Water Services Act Number 108 of 1997 to Umsatuzi Water and the subsequent referral to the Select Committee in terms of in terms of Wood 101 for consideration and reporting. The main objective of engagement was to accord the political leadership of the Department of Water and Sanitation an opportunity to inform members of the Select Committee on the legislative, procedural, and substantive matters relating to the directive. During the engagement with the Department of Water and Sanitation, the Select Committee has noted that the substantive matters relating to the directive centered around the constitutional and legislative failure of Kanyaku, the district municipal, to provide water and sanitation to the local communities. The Select Committee has also recorded the ineffective performance 
performance of the Water Service Authority, the non-adherence to norms and standards, and the fact that 61% of the population in the Umkanyakude district community still receive water via community standpipes. Honorable Chairperson and members, we all know that water and sanitation are part of the people's constitutional rights and cannot be justifiable and morally right that the district municipality, as one of the organs of the developmental state, is this money failing to effectively and efficiently provide this constitutional imperative to the people of the district. Water as service delivery is a constitutional right to our communities, and the provision of sanitation is a dignity to our people. As members of parliament, we have a constitutional obligation to ensure executive accountability and robustly perform our oversight on service delivery irrespective of our political persuasions and parties. Honorable members, during our deliberations on the 11th of March, as a committee member, members, we have noted the following observations. That in terms of the legislative requirements, the Minister of Water and Sanitation has issued and communicated the directive to Kanyaku, the district municipality, and tabled the notice of directive to the chairperson of the NCOP and the Minister of Cocktail on the 24th of February 2022. That the Department of Water and Sanitation issued the directive in terms of Section 63 of the Water Service Act in order to undertake management and operations, as well as maintenance of water and sanitation infrastructure at the Kanyakude District Municipality. That the Minister of Water and Sanitation has also tabled a notice of intention to take over water and sanitation services for a period not exceeding five years, while simultaneously assisting the municipality to build the capacity to manage water and sanitation in the area. That the Minister of Cocta in KwaZulu Natal had invoked Section 1391B of the Constitution at Mkanyaku, the district municipality, in February 2021. This provincial intervention was due to the poor performance in respect of maintenance and operations of water and sanitation infrastructure, the uneven provision of water services to communities, and project delays to prolong to prolonged processes and possible fraud and corruption, that the situation has not improved since the invocation and implementation of Section 139 of the Constitution intervention. The objective of this directive, in terms of Section 63 of Water Services Act, was a complete restoration of an effective water service functions of the municipality that the Director General of the Water Department has been mandated to appoint a technical team composed of officials of, of Satuzi Water, the Department of Water and Sanitation, Water Service Authority and Provincial Department of Cocta, 
to assess progress of intervention and provide regular updates. We must also note that and welcome the recovery implementation program of the Department of Water and Sanitation, which focuses on institutional arrangements, operation and maintenance, technical services, estimated timelines in building sustainable capacity and capability. We lastly observe that Mkhajakuta municipality has communicated to the Department of Water and Sanitation an intention to declare a dispute in terms of Section 42 of the Intergovernmental Relations Framework Act. As a collective, Honorable Chairperson, members of our select committee have unanimously agreed on the following recommendations for approval by this House. Now, the NCOP approved the directive in the District Municipality in terms of Section 63 of the Water Services Act, not for the period exceeding five years. That the Minister of Cocta and Water and Sanitation should, in the spirit of cooperative governance, ensure the deployment of qualified, skilled, and competent officials in the implementation of the directive in the in the district municipality, that both ministers of the departments must should ensure participation of sector departments in the implementation of the directive in the Mkanyakute district municipality, that the Minister of Water and Sanitation should table quarterly and yearly progress reports to the NCOP on the implementation of the directive in terms of Section 63 of the Water Services Act, that the Department of Water and Sanitation should fast-track the process of business planning and costing and align the required resources with the annual performance plan and budget allocation in order to ensure effective implementation of the intervention in terms of Section 63 of the Water Services Act in the district. And lastly, Honorable Chair, that our select committee, in collaboration and cooperation with the relevant portfolio committee in the KwaZulu-Natal Provincial Legislature, should conduct a proactive oversight visit to Mkhajakude District Municipality in order to monitor progress in respect of the implementation of the directive as you conclude of the water service act and section 1391b of the constitution thank you very much honorable chairperson thanks very much uh, honorable dodobo uh, honorable members thank you baba uh, thank you uh, honorable members um honorable delegate I'll, I'll now put the question, and the question yeah, of the vote. In terms of the Rule 86, if they so wish, maximum is three minutes per declaration. Honourable Thank you, Chairperson. Honourable Chair, 
Can I continue? Yes, ma'am. Okay, let me just get my document. Honorable Chair, the De yes. Democratic Alliance herewith confirms the recognition in the National Water Act that the water of South Africa belongs to the people of South Africa, of which all spheres of governments must ensure that water supply services must be provided in a manner which is efficient, efficient, equitable, sustainable, and within the quality of the allowed regulations for potable water. It is to be understood and practiced that water is life, a constitutional obligation, a human right, but a basic human need which without no life is possible. If any sphere of government violates within their mandate of authority, in the provision of a constitutional human right, they should be held accountable and face the full might of the law. The inhumanly failure of poor maintenance and operations of water and sanitation infrastructure, the uneven provision of services to communities and delayed projects requires implementation of strict consequence management to those implicated in this failure is a sin against the people of Nkanyankude. In a development mental state, all spheres of government entrusted with the authorities to provide essential services should continuously be monitored by the Minister of Water and Sanitation as the custodian of the water of South Africa, demanding accountability of every sphere of government to comply within the set objectives all over South Africa. The Western Cape supports the directive in terms of Section 63 of the Water Service Act 108 of 1997 to Umushatuze Water Board, dated 15 March 2022. I thank you. Thanks very much, Honourable Member. Uh, Honourable Members, uh, we shall now proceed to the voting on the question. And the question is that the report be adopted. I'll call upon the provinces to cast their vote when called upon heads of the delegations. Must indicate whether they vote in favor or against or abstain. They Siakuba. Free state. Free state votes in favor, Honorable House Chairperson. Thanks, Honorable Sude. Honorable House Chairperson. Eastern Cape Yavum. I can't hear you. Eastern Cape supports the report. Honorable Domeni, um, Eastern Cape. Support. Siabonga. Uh, Free State and Sube have supported. How day? How day? How day? Siakuba. Wasulnatan. It was Lunatan. I have said, Castan, we report Siabonga. 
Nikona in the house. Recording stopped.
good afternoon, colleagues. Ms. Bowers. Good afternoon, Advocate. Yes, are we ready for tomorrow, Mr. Mbulano? Uh, I'm still to send down the duty roster that leads to people calling now that 